From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Screeners Podcast. This is Melody. Tad. I'm Chris. And joining us today, we have Brandon. Brandon is a fan and supporter of the podcast. He's got tons of experience in the production industry, and he works primarily in the field of audio engineering. So, Brandon, welcome to the Screeners Podcast. Thanks for being here. I am a fan. I don't know about a supporter of the podcast, but I do (laughs) for what you guys do, whatever that means. Well, forward to it. We are glad to have you for sure, for sure. Uh, So before we get started, guys, just remember that we do love to hear from our fans. So please, if you have any questions or comments or cries of outrage, head on over to our website, which is ScreenersPodcast.com and leave us a comment there. Or you can find us on Facebook. uh, Just search for Screeners Podcast. You can email us at ScreenersCast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at ScreenersCast. So with that, we'll get right into Jump Cuts. All right, guys, welcome to Jump Cuts. This is our lightning round. We're going to get 60 seconds each uh, to answer the question that one of the screeners poses to the rest of us. And if we go over 60 seconds, you're going to hear this sound. All right, guys, let's go. Okay, guys, for my question this week, I had to bring up a television show that is back on after a several-year hiatus. 24 is back. And so my question is, is anyone watching it? And if you're watching it, what do you think? So, Brandon, right out of the gate, we'll start with you. Are you watching 24? Boom. Uh, Yes, of course I'm watching it. I love it. I was a huge fan of the first 12 or 18 seasons or how many ever they did and (laughs) was very, very excited to see it come back. It's hard to sort of put my feelings into 60 seconds, but so far I've been somewhat excited by what they're doing with it and also disappointed because I feel like with only the, the shortened season, the 12 or 13 episodes or how many ever they're doing, you really lose, I think, the buildup of what made the first several seasons so exciting is the development of what's happening, what's happening. And I feel like with this season, while it's all great and I'm excited and it's back, it just feels like it's we've missed out on those first few episodes where it's really sort of developed the drama as it's built. And we're just, boom, right in the middle of the story, which is fine. But, you know, that's my one complaint. I wish they would have had those first 12 seasons, 12 episodes. Interesting. Interesting. Chris, how do you feel about it? You know, I have to admit, I think a lot of a lot of things have changed in the hiatus that 24 has been gone as far as what is on television. And for me, what used to thrill me about 24, seeing it in this in this light of, you know, having seen like, you know, shows like um, Homeland and some of these other really kind of, you know, the Americans, I feel like 24 has lost a little bit of something for me. I find myself just to be a little bit bored by it, to be honest. And that's so strange because I used to be so thrilled and excited uh, by 24. But maybe it's just because there's a lot yet to go. And I feel like they're actually, like you said, Brandon, like I feel like you said they're popping us right in the action. I feel like they haven't done that yet. I, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for that. And I just feel like maybe it's, um, it's past its prime. But maybe they can prove otherwise to me. We'll see. 
All right, Chad, are you watching? I am not watching the most recent season yet, so I don't really have much to add to this except to say that the trailer looked amazing. So to hear you guys both talk about uh, how disappointed you are kind of makes me a little bit bummed. Although if I if I'm truthful. I kind of I feel like 24 kind of lost its shine uh, in the last three or four seasons of the show. I mean, the first two seasons were about as good as you can get, and then it just slowly got a little bit yeah. more absurd and more absurd. It was like every week it was like whatever can happen that's the most crazy thing you can think of is going to happen. Uh-huh. And so yep, it just yep, it mm-hmm. kind of veered into this world of just extreme unreality. So I I am going to watch it eventually, but uh, I haven't started yet, but that's kind of that's kind of where I am on 24. What about you, Melody? Have you watched it yes i've watched it um and i i was definitely a diehard 24 fan back in the day um and i agree with you chad that it it lost a little bit of its luster in its later years um and for this new season i would say i I like it a lot but i don't i don't love it i'm not dying to watch the next episode like i kind of forget like oh yeah there's another episode of 24 i haven't watched as opposed to it used to be like waiting with bated breath you know for the next one to to be on our dvr or whatever so um like Chris said, I do think the reason for that, a lot of the reason for that is because TV has just gotten so much better. And I think I'm just less easily engaged and easily impressed and easily entertained. I, I think that the new season stays completely true to the feel of the original show. It, it feels like they completely have picked up where they left off, um, which is fine. But it doesn't have anything new. It doesn't have anything special. It doesn't have anything different. They haven't upped the ante in any way. And although maybe they didn't necessarily have to, to me. I was finished, you stinker. <laughs> like, good, not great. I, I was not done, the period. It is the buzzer. The buzzer has That's no right. feelings. <clears throat> I'm with you. Moral. That's right. Amen. I'm just going to say good, not great. Buzz. And you cannot buzz me. I think... I agree with you completely. This show back in the day suffered from the problem that so many shows have in that it gets so big so fast. Uh-huh. Like how many times can there be a nuclear bomb that's going to kill <laughs> right. the cities and the presidents before you just don't care anymore? Exactly. And that's what they did. Yep. And the second season, it was so escalated. There's just nowhere to go. Yep. So. Yeah. And, and I think that also like this, this I just feel like the format of real time is really a hindrance to them as well, which is, I think another reason why they've decided to go where they've gone is they have a feeling they're going to do a time jump, which they've already said they're going to do. So I've, there's going to be in my, I'm pretty sure the 12 hours that's missing is going to be a uh, plane ride from, you know, London to the United States at some point. That's my prediction that that's going to happen. So I don't know. We'll see. It's it's. Uh, sure. I think there's too many, too many loose ends. Anyway. Yeah. All right, so kind of lukewarm reviews for 24. But I want to like the show. I like it. I enjoy it. Watch it. Yeah, so make sure. more Oh, of it. shut up. Yeah. Y'all just talked about how much you hated it. You can't end with <laughs> no, it. No, nobody it. hated it. I nobody hated, hated it. it. No. I said I... Good, not great. Good, not great. So here we are with question number two, and I think this is a topic that you guys may have covered a long, long time ago, but I thought that it was time for a revival, and that is, what are the most overrated shows on TV? These are shows that are currently on TV that people seem to love, but you just can't figure out why people love them. Um, And so, Chris, we will start with you. Uh, For me, the number one show that gets so much praise that I have no idea why, because I try it 
I've tried it several times. I just cannot get into it. And that is a show called Mad Men. I'm going to bust uh, you in your face. I, I don't understand why people enjoy the show. I, I just I, I can't get into it. So for me, that will be the, the most overrated show on television for me because it just, it, for me, it just doesn't have any appeal um, at all. And then I think also is in, it's in its last season, and that is a show that lost its um, effect on me. Uh, about the second season or third season, that's a show called Grey's Anatomy. Um, that show is super. <laughs> Are over- you trying to make me hate you? Are you trying to make <laughs> our friendship end? Hurt you. We're gonna Mad our Man. friendship's gonna end right here, Chris. <laughs> Those are the two most overrated shows on television. <laughs> and Grey's Anatomy. Oh, great! Can I take the rest of your time to yell at you, please? <laughs> sure, go for it. I'm done. I'm done. Oh, gosh. Okay, Melody. What What about you? Most well, shows. at the risk of incurring Chad's wrath, I have to agree. Mad Men was the first one that came to yeah, mind. I'm so sorry. I've tried it several times as well. I mean, I forced myself to watch like five episodes in a row, and I just, I don't get it. I don't get, I don't get the appeal. Also, on mine, I put um, Big Bang Theory. I, I'm not a sitcom fan, but so many of my friends think this show is hilarious, and I think it's just like extremely offensive to geeks, which I am one. And I know it's like supposed to be like geek humor, but I don't think it's funny at all. And then the last one I put was American Idol. I seriously don't understand how people are still watching that show. Uh, I just don't get it anymore. I'm tired of it. That's Good. my. I'm gonna stop now before Chad buzzes me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, Chad. What about you? I just want to take all of my time to talk about how wrong Chris is <laughs> instead of actually addressing the topic. Overrated shows for me, uh, if they have to, you know, have to be on right now, I would say the two. One is a show that I actually like the first season quite a bit, but it seems that a lot of people really love this show, and it's Girls, the HBO show. And I love Lena Dunham. I think she's a very good writer. But this show's just not, it's not consistently funny enough or anything enough. It's just very, just kind of bland. And two is, and I hate to say this because we talked about this show very recently, but if I just kind of sit back and, and look at the overall amount of praise that's on this show, I, I, I think Homeland is a little bit overrated. Now, I, I'm in, almost done with the second season, and I think the second season is great. But the first season I did not think was great. And the big picture of the show, I think I think it's a little overrated because I've heard many people say, this is the greatest show ever. And I just, I can't I can't buy that vibe. Oh, By okay. the way, watching the buzzer on Chad, that had to have been, that felt like that was <laughs> nine you. minutes long. Thank That's you, well, Brandon. I had extra time. You make a good point. Extra were, you, time. were you running on yourself, Chad? I had extra time no, because of Oh, oh. I can't believe you don't like Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) All right. For me, um, I hate to, this almost would have been a clean sweep, but you guys stole my thunder. It's definitely Mad Men. Oh, my God. You guys are morons. I apologize to all of our listeners out there that have taste. (laughs) Thank you, Brandon. Well, the thing is, I've I've actually, I'm partway through the fourth season, so I'm going to finish it. I'm going all the way through. And I've just never seen a show where the characters are so uninteresting, the conversations are so flat, the acting is so one-dimensional, and it's just, the the whole show just seems like it's completely uninterested in itself. (laughs) And over the first three seasons, there is so little character development. I mean, obviously, I see the appeal, there's some good writing, the the sets are cool, you know, the, the whole ad agency thing is cool. But I just, people talk about this show like it's the second coming, and it is just not there. I that agree with you. And any show with a laugh track, the end. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Like the Big Bang Theory. Absolutely oh, agree with true. you. 
Dear listeners, I apologize for those of you that value things like writing and acting and production. You, you know what? We, we, we're very sorry. I think my trolling for the evening is finished, but I still do believe that the Mad Men is absolutely true. I'm so glad, Brandon, that you agreed with us. Yes, yeah. That's fantastic. Agree. We hope you folks have enjoyed Brandon's appearance. He will no longer be invited <laughs> back on screeners. <laughs> Um, three you're against outvoted, one, maybe son. you're the one who's not invited. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe I don't want to be here because you guys are stupid. Take your ball and go home. All right. Number three. All right, guys. One of my very favorite parts of television shows when I was growing up was the intro title sequence. Now, I know a lot of that art has gone away because shows are getting longer with more content. And they're just kind of getting away from the uh, intro title sequence. But I was just curious... If you guys had a favorite uh, intro sequence from a television show, whether in the past or present, and just uh, tell us a little bit about it. So, Chad, do you have a favorite intro? I don't have like a singular favorite, but when we began to do some research for this specific jump cut, I got excited because I'd forgotten about how many awesome intro credits there were. So I'm going to go yeah. very, I'm going to go very, very quickly. I have six of them, and I'm going to go old school all the way up to new school, and hopefully I won't steal you guys' thunder. But one <laughs> I remember watching when I was a kid was the original Twilight Zone with the door spinning and all that stuff. It's awesome. Number two, you talk about iconic the Brady Bunch. Those little squares <laughs> where they're looking at each other's head. I mean, that became a part of, of culture. I loved it. Number three, and probably my favorite, if I had to pick one favorite sequence of all, it's The Muppet Show. The The original Muppet Show sequence where they're walking in and they're coming in mm. is fantastic. And then my last two, because I think they're very effective Effective because they don't really tell you much about what the show is other than the theme. One is Dexter. Like, I'll feel like I need a shower every time after I watch the intro from Dexter because it's so just creepy. And then number number one, which is my current favorite, is True Blood. That intro sequence mm. is awesome. I mean, it has like all the, it has the the religion and the sexuality and all the grit and all that stuff. So that that would be my my favorite. And those are my my list. Gotcha. Awesome. Okay, Melody, how about you? Okay, I had three that came to mind immediately when I saw this question. First one, Game of Thrones. I know we've already talked about it on here, but I love how it shows you the different locations that you're going to be in in that episode, and the graphics are just really cool and different. I love epic maps, so it doesn't get much better than that, and also the music on that is awesome. And then the next one I thought of is Fringe, um, which I we've oh, always yeah. been super big Fringe fans. But the credit sequence for that show, uh, like it evolved over the course of the five seasons of the show, and um, it kind of you could it would reflect the changes in the plot. It would you could tell like which universe you were going to be in, uh -huh. and near the end, like the complete the complete world like shifted, and there was new like words in the title sequence. And I don't want to give anything away in case. You lovely people haven't seen that show yet because you should see it, but the, the title sequence of it was awesome. And then my last one is definitely Star Trek Deep Space Nine because it just mm -hmm. it's like comfort food. It just makes me feel peaceful and happy and wonderful. Yes. Good stuff. All right, Brandon. Uh, so two of mine were already mentioned. One that Chad mentioned was The Muppet Show for all the reasons he said. Awesome. Just great music, great memories. Love, love, love that intro. Um, Game of Thrones was the second one um, for all the reasons Melody talked about. Just I, what I really love about that particular one is in, in a world where there's so much complexity, there's so many things going on, uh, there's so many different uh, parts of this of this world that he's built, and every time it's just a little reminder of the Seven Kingdoms and the different things, so I, I love that. And my uh, current favorite is a show that I had really high hopes for, uh, I think the title sequence is actually better than the show, although the show is good, and it's an AMC show called Turn. I don't know if any of you guys yeah. watched the show. 
Um, I think the title sequence is actually a little bit better than the show, although I do enjoy the show. But I think it's just very cleverly done. It's very creative. doesn't quite tonally match the rest of the show, but I think as a standalone piece, it's pretty awesome. Good stuff. Okay, so um, I guess I'll just chat a little bit about some of my favorites. Um, I've got three. Um, I go, I guess, probably newest to oldest because, like I said, when I was growing up, these are the things that really affected me. The one that's the newest for me is I really love the True Detective intro. Mm -hmm. It was creepy and just beautiful, really well done. I think HBO does a really good job of putting effort into everything that they do, and it just shows there. The X-Files, um, I loved. Every time I hear that theme and I see those images and just weirdness happening, it, that's always uh, exciting for me. So I love the X-Files. And then number one for me uh, was Airwolf. Um, when I was growing up, <laughs> seeing that Airwolf theme yes. and seeing that that uh, helicopter fly around for me with all those 80s like you know uh, computer graphics coming in and out, I just love that. So those are those are my favorite uh, intro title sequences from television shows. They're, uh, they they it can really set the mood for a for a show and and have it an identity in and of itself. So love them. Good stuff. All right. So for my jump cut this week, I wanted to talk about two recent trailers that have come out that are expanding on the teaser trailers that have been released. So I think it goes without saying that both of these films we are very excited about watching and reviewing later here on the screener show. But they just released two new trailers that give us a deeper glimpse into the films and they're very different. And I wanted to talk about them. One is Guardians of the Galaxy and one is Interstellar, the new one from Chris Nolan. And I want to start with that one. I know that Chris Nolan is a a director that some people will see whatever he directs just because of his past work and this is probably more of the same but we get our first glimpse here with Matthew McConaughey and I'm just interested what do you guys think about this latest trailer for Interstellar does it make you more excited less excited what do you think Melody I am super super excited for this film Um, I am one of those ones that will see whatever Christopher Nolan does so I was already excited um, definitely one of my most anticipated films of the next few months. I think that the, like the new trailer, I love, I loved the teaser cause it didn't give anything away and I'm just like, Oh, what's this movie going to be? And now I've seen the full trailer and I know like more, but I still don't feel like it gives so much away that it's ruined anything. I hope I, I don't really think that they could do anything that would make me like not be super excited for that film, yeah. but it did. It definitely gave you a lot more insight into what the movie's going to be about than the teaser. Yeah. Brandon, what do you think about Interstellar? Yeah, I agree. It made me really excited. I, I've, I've got a little bit of this sci-fi fatigue um, because it seems like every two months there's a new sci-fi movie, which I'm, I'm excited about. I, but the problem is, is none of them have been very good. So on the one hand, I don't get super excited when I see something like this because I just think this is probably going to be another bad movie. Although, as you said, Christopher Nolan uh, is awesome, and I've loved virtually everything he's done. So I think it's going to be pretty exciting, and I'm I'm excited to see it. Okay, Chris, what about you? We were sitting in the theater uh, to watch the film that we're reviewing tonight, Godzilla, and I had no idea that there was going to be a new trailer for Interstellar. And as soon as this played, I just sat there with my mouth agape like i am so excited i love christopher nolan and i thought this trailer was absolutely stunning and beautiful i would suggest rather than me telling you about it if you haven't seen it just go watch the trailer online it is fantastic i cannot wait 
Yeah, I, I agree that the trailer is gorgeous. Christopher Nolan is a purist who shoots on film, and film still looks glorious when when done right. So I, I think it looks beautiful. I do kind of agree with Melody that I thought it kind of straddled the line a little bit of telling me a little bit more than I wanted to know mm. because I'm, I'm, I'm in. Uh, but I do hope, and I have to be honest, I do hope that this is the Christopher Nolan of old and not the Dark Knight Rises Christopher Nolan because I've been on record that I think that movie was a disaster. And so I hope that he doesn't overindulge, that people aren't giving him just every single thing and it just gets super bloated. But I am I am very much excited. So let's turn back around now and talk about another movie which is going to be completely different tonally for sure. <laughs> and that is the new Guardians of the Galaxy. I think this movie probably has a little bit of a challenge because there are so many people that don't know about the comics, but they go see pretty much everything Marvel makes. And I know originally after the teaser, a lot of people were kind of like, what? What is this? I'm not sure. This one gives us a little bit more kind of what it's uh, what it will feel like. So do you think that's going to make a difference? Uh, did this trailer do enough to get people in the seats? And are you excited? Melody, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that the this trailer gave us much difference in tone. I think it's the same tone as as the shorter trailer. I think it looks fun. I'm one of those people that I have no context of of this franchise. I've never heard of Guardians of the Galaxy, but I think it looks funny. Like Chris Pratt looks funny. I think that the the extended trailer um gives you more kind of more of the same in my opinion and um it looks fun. I'll totally see it. Brandon, what about you? Yep, I'm very excited to see it. I think that um, this movie is probably going to not do super well at the box office compared to most of the more current uh, Marvel movies, but um, I think this is more going to appeal to the Judd Apatow crowd. Mm. Um, that sort huh. of seems like tonally, that's what the trailers seem to be, um, which I'm fine with because I love all those movies, so I don't think it's going to be a huge blockbuster, but uh, I'm interested. I definitely want to see it. Chris, what about you? you? I guess um, I'm just in different circles than you are, Brandon, because for me and most of my friends, I think this is our most anticipated film of the year. Um, I cannot wait to see this thing. And I think the marketing department is doing an amazing job of selling this thing because every time um, I'm, I watch this in either one of these trailers in the theater, I feel the audience getting excited and smiling and like just having a good time with it. So I think... I really think the marketing department is doing, I mean, if the movie sucks, it sucks and we can't really do anything about that. But from what we've seen so far, I feel like this movie is going to be fantastic and it's my most anticipated movie of the year. I, I cannot wait to sit down and see this thing because I think it's going to be amazing. So anyway. Most people though aren't nerds like you and don't I, know the, well, the backstory for this kind of thing. But I think the, the, the nerds are the ones that are going to sell it. I mean, I, you know, no, most people didn't know who Iron Man was when that came out and they somehow sold that sucker out and then now we've got the Avengers well, and it's the most anticipated thing yeah. ever. So I, I wouldn't agree with uh, that. I think most people do know who Iron Man is, whether they follow the comics now or not. They this, now, now they do. Now they do. Even before then, people... No. Chris, yes. People nope. know who Iron Man is. <laughs> people know who Superman is and yeah, who Batman is. They no, may, but they, Iron Man was not in that listen, tier. They he, don't, he wasn't. He doesn't have to be in that tier for people to know who they are. People know who Iron Man is. People do not know who the Guardians of the Galaxy are. They I have agree. Yeah, no I agree. clue. I agree with you. No doubt. But 
I agree with you that when the marketing any any trailer that has a raccoon grabbing his crotch, I think yep. I'm in. I mean, yep. it's funny, <laughs> it's hilarious, and and I and and the action stuff looked like it was really well done, which is what we would expect from a Marvel film. So, I originally, when I first heard they were going this direction, I was intrigued, but until I saw the trailers, I was kind of reticent. But now I'm on board. I think it's going to be. It could be great. It could be absolutely hysterical and fun and a, and a different kind of thing that could set up m- many, many more of these. So I, I am in agreement that I'm excited uh, to see that for sure. Awesome. Awesome. So l- let me just interrupt real quick before we move on to our main event. There are two points of news that have just come out today, and I want to get your quick response. Not 60 seconds, just maybe a sentence. Um, the new Batman versus Superman uh, movie came out with a subtitle and I want to get your guys' thoughts on it. It is Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice. Chad, thoughts? You had me at Superman. The end. I Melody? Say, I love it. Oh, sorry. You do? No, you like Dawn it. of Justice? I don't care. I think titles are titles for superhero movies are irrelevant. Does anybody okay. really care right. about the Winter Soldier? No. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's just Captain America. Right. So I'm in. When you're talking about a-level characters like Batman and Superman, you could call it anything you want to, well, in, my, like in my opinion. Okay, I'll tell you how what I think in just a second. Melody, how about you? You had me a Batman thing. <laughs> oh my gosh, okay, awesome. <laughs> Brandon? I love it. I think it's a throwback title. I think it's it oh. sounds like a comic book title more than a movie title. I love it. I love everything about it. I'm in. I feel, like, I feel like DC's been trying to simplify their titles. Uh, you know, The Dark Knight rather than Batman, colon, whatever, and then Man of Steel, there's no, no, neither of one of those things are in this title. And I wish it would have been Dawn of Justice, because that would have told us enough about this thing, rather than Batman versus Superman. I just think it's too much. But anyway, no I'm still way, looking dude. forward to the movie, for, but for it's the, just too much. For the general public, you got to put Batman versus Superman. For real. Got well, that's to. fine. Dawn that's of fine. Justice? No, or what, is that what it is, Dawn of Justice? Is that what you Dawn said? Dawn of Justice. Yeah, it's, it seems it's, so silly. It's, it is silly, but that's not. people aren't going to hear that and go, I, what? But they're going to hear Batman vs. Superman and be like, oh, yeah. I, I agree. But, I mean, shouldn't they said something like the Dark Knight versus the Man of Steel rather than – I don't know. I, well, just that's feels, even more cumbersome. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that is. <laughs> I agree. But I just feel like they've, they've done that and now they're moving back to Batman and Superman. Anyway, I just it just seems Jeez, a little silly. You're so picky. Batman versus Superman. And then, the only and thing that makes me mad is that they said Batman, Batman first because Superman's the best. Whatever. There you go. All right, and then another thing real quick, and I'm not even sure if you guys saw this or not, but J.J. Abrams uh, did a set um, interview from the new Star Wars film, and there was one of the new aliens kind of walked by, and we got our first glimpse behind the scenes of the new Star Wars films. Have you guys have you guys seen that, and what did you think about the, uh, uh, the, the little creature that kind of we get to get a glimpse of? Chad, did you get yeah, to see this at all? I, I saw it, and and some of the rewards that they're giving away for the for the charity that they're launching are are awesome. Seth, yep. yeah, they're, it's great. I could not be more excited <laughs> about this move. I could not. I mean, it's literally impossible for me to be more excited because it is the perfect confluence of all the people that I would want to be working on this project are working on this project, and it's a Star Wars movie. So yeah, I mean, it looks great. Even it's nice. funny. It's cute. I, I can't wait. I can't wait. So yeah, I loved it, and I think that I think that it's a good cause too. So uh, you should, people should check that out. Yes, absolutely. It's 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 pretty sweet, and, and and the video is 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 fun and funny and all that stuff too. So to hear Melody, did you get the chance to see that at all? I did not get a chance to see it, but yay for non CG uh, characters. So yes, that'll be, that'll that's be right. pretty awesome. So yes. yeah, I completely agree with Chad. I'm yep. out of my mind excited for it. 
And uh, Brandon, how about you, man? I did not see it, but I definitely will look it up. And I'm excited as well and hope that this movie is so awesome that it writes the wrongs of J.J. Abrams' last nine television shows, which have all been horrible. Oh, you silly (laughs) man. They just put his name on the top to sell it. Well, if I were J.J. Abrams, I'd be like, pull it off. (laughs) <laughs> no, right. you would be like, Don't put that. that money in my bank account, please. The end. That's right. All right. Well, anyways, that, that, those are just late breaking news segments that I wanted to get in before uh, we headed on to the to the uh, the main event. Thank you very much for humoring me. Welcome to the main event. All right, for our main event tonight, we talk about Gareth Edwards' Godzilla. In 1954, we awakened something. Well, there's nuclear tests in the Pacific. Not tests. They are trying to kill it. You have no idea what's coming. The arrogance of man is thinking nature is in our control. And not the other way around. The IMDb description of Godzilla says, The world's most famous monster is pitted against malevolent creatures who, bolstered by humanity's scientific arrogance, threaten our very existence. And so that was interesting. That was actually better writing than what was in this movie. So what we are, uh, I was, I I am going to tell you, this was my most anticipated film of the entire summer for two reasons. Wow. What? For two reasons. Number one, those trailers are works of art. They are glorious. They are glorious. And so I was so excited when I saw the trailers, and I'm I'm a huge fan of Gareth Edwards' very first film, Monsters. He made that movie for about $500,000 or something like that, I believe. It's very low budget, but it's essentially about an alien invasion where uh, aliens have taken over this part of uh, essentially Mexico outside the uh, American border. And it's a, a, a two people that are trying to get through this area and get back into get back into America, and it's just awesome. It's gorgeous, it's exciting, it has great monsters, and so I thought this is the perfect guy to do Godzilla. So, without a doubt, my most anticipated film of the summer. I know you guys probably didn't feel that way, but I am very interested to hear what you thought. So, what we're going to do is just go go through and quickly give our impressions, our general impressions of what we thought about it, and then we'll move into a more in-depth discussion in spoilers. So, let's start first with Chris. What did you think about Gojira? Gojira. Uh, I have to admit, I was really confused by this film. Um, I really wanted to like it uh, a lot, but unfortunately, I found the campiness of um, a lot of the the events that happen in the movie mixed with the realism that they were trying to go for in other parts of the movie to be really jarring and just, I don't know, the tone of the film just kind of was really all over the place for me. I really liked 
the setup to this movie, to be honest with you. I'm hearing a lot of people complain about how long it took uh, Godzilla to get onto the screen. And I don't really have a big issue with that, except for in a couple of areas where they try and hide him and all that. Once you see him, let's just see him. But for me, I felt like the, the bits where uh, we were with the characters we start with, I wish we would have kind of stayed there and, and kind of um, continued with them rather than shifting gears uh, and th- they shift uh, about a third of the way through the film that I just I didn't really like um, that that change of of characters that we were suddenly with and so for me um, there was a lot of uh, dialogue problems like you mentioned too um, Chad I mean there's a few moments that are just cringeworthy when the soldiers are talking to one another they say things that are just so like oh man let's uh, guys let's let's not let's not go there let's let's you know edit that that thing out um there were several thrilling moments some amazing uh, special effects happening in this film it was very thrilling at times but i felt like overall i just was a little bit disappointed that they had all of this wealth of uh talent and ability but i don't think they really they really actually uh, succeeded in giving us the film that they wanted to give us, even though it's a it's an enjoyable film and it's really thrilling. If you're looking for a good time just to kind of sit back and 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 see some things you've never seen on screen, well, maybe I, I shouldn't say that. There, a lot of this stuff is buildings being destroyed and a city being crushed and all that stuff. But it, it's thrilling in places. I just feel like it's also lacking in a lot of places as well. And I'll I'll get into those during spoilers because it's hard to to talk about. These things, I feel like I'm dancing around them right now. So, Brandon, what did you think about Godzilla? You know, to say that I had I had the opposite uh, feeling in terms of the anticipation for this movie than you guys had. I am so tired of cities being destroyed <laughs> that yes. I just can't take it anymore. Yeah, every Marvel movie, every superhero movie, every movie, there's got to be something in a city. Every Transformers. And it's just so so much destruction that I had zero interest. And it was actually Chad who sort of, you know, really talked me into to wanting to see this. But I have to say that once I, I convinced myself, okay, let's go see it. So I went into it with such low expectations that I actually quite enjoyed it. And what, what I enjoyed about it, just in a general sense, without going into spoilers, was the direction that the plot took. Because I didn't do any research. I didn't know what it was about. I just assumed it was the traditional sort of Godzilla story. And I had no idea about the other elements that, that actually made it a little bit different. Yes, it was campy. It was cheesy. It was all those things. But, you know, this, this wasn't Tale of Two Cities. It's Godzilla. So I didn't mind that it was campy. I didn't mind that it was cheesy because I thought for what it was that they did it quite well. And I enjoyed it. I, what I, but mostly what I enjoyed was the sort of the direction that the story went. I mean, it had its problems. It did feel a little long. Um, but overall, I, I, I enjoyed my time there. And what, the other part that I liked about it, and maybe this might be a little better than spoilers, is I liked how they shot it. I liked that it wasn't so focused just on the monsters the whole time that it felt like we were seeing this more through the character's point of view as opposed to we're with Godzilla the whole movie. So I, I like that that aspect of it as well. But I enjoyed it. I would recommend it. Yep. Yeah. Melody, yeah, yeah. what about you? Yeah, I think I could echo pretty much everything that Brandon said. I was not excited to see this movie. I'm also really just sick of the massive city destruction thing. And um, it was late that night, and I didn't want to go see it at all. 
But I got to say, like, I, I probably enjoyed it more than any of, of the people that we went to see it with. Um, not I'm not saying, like, oh, this is an awesome movie. Go see it right away. But, like, it was good. It was, it was good. It was, it was visually, like, stunning. To me, I think it's the perfect example of what we talked about last week, I think, on one of the jump cuts, which was the question that Chad brought, like, is the big budget spectacle film taking precedence over plot? And it, is it like dumbing us down or is it making us not not appreciate the the visuals that go into these films because their plots are lacking? I, I think this film is a spectacular spectacle. Like it, it was beautiful. And uh, I, I think the plot was fine. I definitely agree. The dialogue was uh, very disappointing. And there, I mean, the more the more I think about it, the more I don't like it. So, it, you know, the more I analyze it, the more I'm like, it really wasn't that good. But nice. in nice. The, in how I the, feel about Chad for the record. <laughs> in the in the initial viewing of it, like I had a good time. So yeah, there well, you have it. I saw this in a theater that was not an optimal experience. There was this air conditioning unit that was in the ceiling mm-hmm. and it was like mis malfunctioning and was loud the whole time and they didn't turn oh, the sound man. up enough and and so I was I was already mad <laughs> about Ooh. that. Um, <laughs> because it was the only chance that I could see it or I would have left and come back later. But so that 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 affected me a little bit, but I I think overall I, I'm with you, Melody, in that I really liked this movie. I, I do not dislike this movie. I don't I don't hate this movie at all. And I think it's partly because it's a clear mix of, in my opinion, a director who has a lot of talent and he did not get a good script or mm-hmm. story to work with here. Yeah. I think it has absolutely st- Stunning visuals. And I don't mean just from the big cityscape CGI stuff. I mean, even things like, and we'll get more into it when we talk in spoilers, but even things like there's a, a scene on a bridge in here or like a train track that is awesome. Uh, uh, and, yeah. You know, I disagree well, with you on that well, one. Well, you actually. can disagree uh, when we get when we get into <laughs> when we get into spoilers, we'll talk about it. But yeah. the way that it was shot, the way that the tension was built, I, I read an interview with the director who actually said that the way that they wanted to have the cameras work in this world was that they only wanted to position the cameras where an actual camera crew could be. Now, obviously, there are a few times where they fly up over and do other things like that. But I think that that comes through. I didn't know that going into it. But one of the things that I I made note of was that it really feels grounded from the perspective of the humans that you see in this. And so I thought it was just gorgeous visually. The problem that I have is that it's one thing if it's campy and it embraces being campy. It's another thing if it's campy but also trying to exist in a world that is very serious. And so when you mix those two things together and try to do a serious real take but also be campy, it doesn't work. And it wasn't just that the dialogue was bad in places. It was that if you go back and watch this movie again, there are literally like seven or eight or nine places where the dialogue only exists to give information and exposition. Like they say things that are only to let you know, well, this happens because the creature does this. And it's the like the boardroom. Yeah. The boardroom where we hear the name Gorgilla for the yeah. very first time. It's crazy. No, it's the, the worst scene in that movie. Yeah, yeah. No, nobody talks like that. Nobody talks like that. So I think it was a disservice with, you know, to the dialogue, but I do think it was gorgeously shot. And I'll say this too. I loved 
the opening sequence. All the stuff with Brian Cranston and the old like 1999 stuff and the setup mm. all the yep. way through what happened at the end of that sequence before we go to a different place in time. Yep. I was like, I'm in, man. This is going to yes. be my favorite movie of the year. It's exactly right? what I was saying. That's exactly it, what I thought. And then yeah. it then they started talking and then it, yeah. did, and yep. it, and it didn't work. So yeah. um, I know one thing, let's talk a little bit about the performances. I think one thing that really bothered me was how completely boring and uninteresting the main character was. Yes. Um, hang on, hang on. This might be spoilers though. Yeah, that's kind yeah, of spoilers. All right. Well, in that case then, let's give our final wrap-up thoughts and let's go ahead and jump into spoilers because we have a lot to talk about there. So I think for me, I would still recommend this movie because it is so beautiful and because there are sequences that are, are wonderful and exciting and thrilling. Uh, so I would still recommend this movie. Not a strong recommend, but I, I definitely would recommend it. Uh, what about you, Chris? You know, I would say if you're looking for just having a kind of a thrilling, loud um, experience, uh, you probably would enjoy this movie. If not, I would think seeing it home if, as a rental uh, w- would not be a bad choice either. I, I'm kind of on the fence about that one. Okay, Melody, how about you? Yeah, I think as long as you're going into it, just expecting to like just have a good time and not really care so much about dialogue or plot, like it'll be super fun. I mean, there were... There were a couple times in this in this movie where like the whole audience burst out cheering. Like it's just it's just a fun movie and it's beautiful. So I think you should see it. Yeah, and Brandon, what about you? Yes, if you're like me and you have lots of things going on and you don't have the chance to go to movies that often, and you're looking up at the board and you see the Amazing Spider-Man or this, go see this. Oh, yeah, yes. no yes. doubt about that. Uh, yes, so, agreed. Definitely, and and I would say that that you should see this in the theater. I mean, it would be fine at home, but it's the kind of movie I think that lends itself to the large scale format really, really well. Yep. Um, yep. So I would say go see it. Yeah, that's a very good point. This is if there ever were there was a movie that needs to be seen on the big screen, this is it. Mm-hmm. I'll also say too that after just barely over a week. Um, Godzilla has made $211 million worldwide, and the, the sequel has already been greenlit. So uh, so there you go. I think I'd have to go back and say I agree with you guys. Don't don't rent this. If you're gonna if you have any interest in seeing it, see it in the theater. I, I you're absolutely right on that. There's this is freaking Godzilla. He's yeah. huge. You should yeah. see it on the big screen. You should you should and you should see it. I think it, I think you'll enjoy it. So yep. with that, let's move yep. into spoilers. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Well, you look nervous. Is it the scars? You want to know how I got them? There's so many places it would never occur to a hawk to hide. However, the reason the Führer's brought me off my Alps in Austria and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me. Because I'm aware what tremendous feats human beings are capable of once they abandon dignity. In the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. He's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there in all that dark and all that cold. I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. Then I woke up. So the big spoiler here is that all of the marketing uh, kind of leads you to believe that the main character is going to be Brian Cranston. But what yes. we find out early is that that is not the case. He's actually <laughs> the father of the main character that we're going to meet later on uh, who actually dies. Brian Cranston and his mom 
that which by the way really made me mad because in the trailers they show the mom with the doors being closed on her in the yeah. nuclear place and so you so that moment loses a, lost a little bit of the impact for me but I don't know but those performances were pretty fantastic. We're still awesome. I still got a little dusty. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And, and I, yep. I, I I thought that I honestly like I was saying before like I think that is my favorite part of the movie is that first third act where Brian Cranston is alive the moment he dies and I realized that we're going to be following his son. I was so sad. I was like, I yeah. am not interested in that story. I am interested in a father son story. I could follow yeah. you there. If Brian Cranston can, if Brian Cranston can kind of hold it together, all this campiness and craziness, because I'm telling you, you we talk about the bad acting and the bad writing, but I don't, I didn't see any of that in the first third. I wasn't like, I, I was, I was all in. Like it was beautiful. It was like, wow, we're setting this thing up. It's got a, it's got a heart. It's got a soul. And then we lost all. Well, that. I, I, I disagree a little bit because on the one hand, I, yes, I was totally shocked. I was totally disappointed. And, and I absolutely loved, especially the opening sequence. But I did feel like that he was his character and the writing was starting to get a little bit cheesy and a little bit campy. The whole mad scientist you know, thing, mad yeah. scientist thing, and I mean th- that's been played out. And he was right. so frantic; it I'm wasn't sorry. subtle at all. But l- l- let's compare. We've now seen two movies these past two weeks with mad, crazy <laughs> scientists. <laughs> you can't pull the drum. Oh, don't James even. Fox, come on, come on. And you've got yeah. Brian Cranston, and you've got to admit you could f- you could follow the Brian Cranston because you know because I thought he was going to pay it. You guys didn't watch fringe but in fringe the father in fringe was crazy and you know but he had everything together he knew what was going on and the son could kind of decode all that and so i thought that's what we were going to get is this kind of way off as rocker now proven true man how crazy would that be that would mess you up like you know seriously yeah, mess I'm you glad up they didn't do that because uh, that was I, predictable I was, I, I mean, that, that was where that was everyone saw that ending coming that, That's oh, true. he's going to get redemption. He's going to be right. I, I mean, as soon as that. But he all was unfolded, right. Yeah, but well, here's I the know, thing. but I, you I didn't think, get to see that play out. I think all of that is a moot point. If the main character had any charisma at all, exactly. uh, I mean, his name is Ford Brody in, in the thing. It's uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, and he may be a fine actor. I, I'm not sure what else he's done, except to say that he was, he was, he was so the main char- boring. He's the main character in Kick-Ass. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. There you go. Um, Yeah, it just was, it was so uninteresting. He had no charisma. There was nothing, there was nothing there. Um, And it's especially obvious when he plays up against Elizabeth Olsen, his wife, who is wonderful, who is great. She was fantastic. Absolutely right. She was the best actress in the movie. It was really kind of frustrating because she was so good. He was so bad. It was almost, it was almost awful seeing them both on screen because there was like such a, Oh man, the contrast in and where they were at as far as their acting skills go right. was just not there at all. Yeah, at, at the same time, I mean, I totally agree with that. Not not disagreeing at all. At the same time, though, the source material was awful. I mean, it wasn't like he was given Shakespeare. Right. I mean, it was really, really bad <laughs> well, stuff. Well, I agree, but here's the problem, though, is that he was literally like Jesus in this movie. It was like whatever they needed to be fixed, he could fix it. It was like, oh, I'm yep. a bomb expert. Oh, yeah, no, I, agree. I also know how to parachute. You know, you know, I can parajump. And oh, and by the way, I'm here too, and I could jump. I could go with you guys because That's... you need me. It was so ridiculous. Oh, and by the way, I just so happened to be in Hawaii, and now yeah. I just yeah. so happen to have my wife who is in San Francisco, and it I just so happened to. It was really. Psychically tied to Godzilla or something like that. Yeah, it was. But again, but again, here's the thing: you can forgive all of that stuff if 
he's yep. a, if the performance is great and it would just yep. it was like literally i was like it's just a one note kind of here i am it's so bad yeah it's so I, bad I, I think overall though that's what this movie was and that's what it did even i felt that way with brian cranston the second that we see him in his apartment and it there was no subtlety to to his whole mad scientist thing he was just freaking out and he was just completely as as understated and subtle as it was in the beginning he was overstated and ridiculous in that next scene so I felt like that that was very consistent with the way the movie was. I mean, yeah. so I, you know, other than the his wife who who did put it in a very good performance, but I mean, I I don't single him out as being oh my god he was so bad. I thought he was just on par with everything else that was around him. I thought that it, yeah, it I think he the, was that bad. As soon as I met him, I was thinking, or we met him, I, I was thinking, oh please don't let him be the uh, the, the the one person that we fall off the rest of the time, and you know. Anyway, it, it it just it just kind of bothered me that they kind of gave us that feeling that we were going to be following Brian Cranston, and then you know so yep. early on in the film he's he's completely gone. Yep. So speaking of <laughs> speaking of um, perceptions, marketing versus what we actually saw here is yeah. I do feel like one of the other kind of many controversies that's been going on here, and the and the question has been: Is there enough Godzilla in Godzilla? The buildup for this happened to where we really didn't get our first extended glimpse of Godzilla in action until the last third of the film. There are certainly multiple teases where we see him, we actually see him in full, and then it cuts to scenes of the aftermath of his destruction, either like on a, on a television monitor the next day, or the doors close just right before, you know, as the people are running uh, into the bottom of the building. Some people yeah. have said that they didn't like that and they felt like it was a gimmick. Some people loved it. What did you guys think about that? Because that definitely I... is a different approach. I thought it was great. Like I, I've heard a lot of the not thinking it's so great, but I, I thought it was great. And you got to see like the other monsters in full form sooner. So you still had plenty of like monster happenings going on. But I don't know. I, I know Chris probably doesn't agree with me because I don't think anyone that we no. saw it with agreed. But I, I thought it was good. I no. thought it was. Go ahead. I actually agree with you. I, I, I do actually agree with you. I, I think it was good because the folks that we saw it with didn't realize that um, Godzilla is supposed to be a good guy. Right. Um, they, they'd always just assume that he was supposed to be, you know, the, the bad guy. And so what it what for folks like that who don't aren't familiar maybe with uh, the Godzilla lore, it gives you um, context to realize why the other creatures are so bad and why Godzilla at first seems to be bad, but then he has some sort of, conscience or at least is wanting to just get rid of the other monsters and keep things in balance the way that they explained it with this particular storyline anyways to keep balance or whatever but i still think that was kind of a good a good way of doing it is that we don't see we're not sure if godzilla is a bad guy oh now we're sure he's a good guy because it as it turns out it was those other two creatures doing all the destruction not him so i kind of like that i think it was a good way of keeping the story intact and actually i think that worked for me anyway it worked for me and i like the idea of holding the major reveal until the end uh, specifically because there's only so much that you can do with a creature of that size and that scale, and if he were in the movie all the time, it would get boring, I think, very early. I do think, though, as big as a fan as I wanted to be for this movie, it felt like they went to that well a little bit too many times with the, we're going to show you just a little bit and then show you the massive destruction, like they did at the airport scene, and then they also did in the Las Vegas scene, and then they also did it uh, in the beginning of the San Francisco scene. It just, especially at the Las Vegas one about midway through, I was kind of like, 
okay, give us just a little more, maybe. But yeah. but overall, because it just kind of felt like at that point, I, it was almost like I saw the gimmick. I was like, I see what you're doing here, and it kind of pulls me out a little bit. But I do like overall the concept. Another another spoiler here is that I don't think a lot of people expected there to be any other creatures than Godzilla. Did any of you guys see that coming? Uh, well, let me say first, because I just had a couple of thoughts about that, that last subject, is I also thought that I really loved the way that it was shot in that way. Because for me, uh, one of the problems I have with a lot of these kinds of movies, whether it be Pacific Rim or just sort of a, a lot of the Transformers. Awesome. Which it is, I do like it. Or Yay. a lot of the Transformer movies is that the action is so fast cut and it's it's such a shaky there's mm-hmm. su- such a shaky presentation from the camera's perspective that you don't really get a, get a good sense of the action of what's going on so i like the fact that it felt a little more real they didn't reveal as much uh, right away and and then once the action fully kicked in i mean it felt like it was much more of a climax and it had really built to that point. And the way they shot the action felt much more satisfying than really fast cuts, you know, where you don't really see the monsters, you don't know what's going on. I really, really appreciated that about the way that they, that they shot this. Yep. yep. So what did you guys think about the reveal of the uh, two additional uh, creatures? I really, I wasn't expecting it. I figured that we would get um, a flying creature because unfortunately in the trailer there was a flying creature. So I knew that there was going to be something about that but I, I was actually expecting that to be kind of a uh, you know final act reveal rather than a first reveal the because i was expecting to see godzilla come out of that first reactor when it yep. wasn't godzilla i was like whoa what are we what's happening right now so yep. for me that was kind of th- one of those like i was saying yeah. there's several thrilling moments for me that was one of those i wasn't expecting i was expecting oh it's godzilla he's going to do all this destruction and then there's going to be another creature that comes out third in the, you know the third last act or whatever and he's going to have to fight him and destroy him but for there to be two creatures and that to actually work pretty well i thought the monsters and relationship and all that stuff worked really well for me like the, the, the reasons why they were doing what they were doing, like, okay, I buy it. That makes sense. It's a little silly, but at least it makes sense. Like, I can actually tell you the plot of this movie. Right. Um, most of these kinds yep. of films, like Transformers 2, what was the plot? No one knows. Chris, um, you love Chris. Chris. No, but I don't remember the plot. It. But I don't remember the plot, though. I, I, you know what I mean? Like, this one, at least you can, I, I, I feel like I will be able to remember why they were doing what they were doing how they got there. It's silly still, but at least the plot was followable. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I thought that the surprises for me, that's really why I like this movie. That's why I recommend it is because I, I didn't see a lot of the trailers going into it. So I had no idea there were even other monsters at all. Right. And, you know, and so it was a great surprise that, that that was the, and, and that Godzilla was going to be the hero or sort of the hero um, I, that to me is what really made the movie. And had that not been in there, I think it would have been a completely different movie. Yep. And and I'm very very glad that that's the direction that it went. Because at the end, you have to admit, you were somewhat, at least a little bit. That last roar that Godzilla gave, I oh. was like, okay, you got to give a little bitty small clap, a little golf right? clap. Yeah, yeah, man. No, absolutely. we had freaking cheering in our theater. Yeah, yeah. it was great. Yeah. yeah. When the, when he first like had the blue flame like oh, yeah. bubble up the from laser. his tail. Yeah. yeah. That I mean, laser. People were like cheering. That was. Yeah. I thought that was freaking awesome. Yeah, because sure. you were waiting for that, and you're wondering, okay, are they going to go there? And then that's that's that wonderful. 
unfortunate I feel like they sometimes broke just because of the the actual human acting, but like that that campiness <laughs> yeah. can be there yeah, here's, as long as you treat it right. And I feel like that 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 moment worked for me where he opened up his mouth and freaking shot a laser absolutely. down the other uh, yeah. that it was, was awesome. awesome. It was awesome. it was awesome, but here's here's the overarching problem is that that came that all of that stuff happens at the at the end of the movie. And so when the first hour and 40 or 35, 40 minutes of the movie is essentially the human story and the humans are so bad, then the overall picture makes it uh, not as enjoyable. No, it's I true. disagree because when it comes like a lot of these city destruction movies, the reason I hate them so much is because I'm watching it for so long. Like, I don't want to see the same thing for half no, an no, hour. No, no. no this I one, agree. Like, I felt like it built up to that. So when you got there, like, and you hadn't had that before, it was thrilling at that moment because you hadn't already been watching it for an hour. But I felt like the other action set pieces were really good. Like, I loved the Hawaii one. And maybe that's only because I've been to Honolulu a bunch of times and, like, stayed in those hotels but it was really no i just okay shut it shut it (laughs) but i'm saying it was it was cool i have i have not seen a city destruction film in that setting at least in recent years san francisco too and vegas i've been there lots of times stayed in those hotels I'm just saying it was fun to that see is those funny. places that I frequent be destroyed. That was fun. No, that I, is funny. Those are some of our very favorite like vacation spots and to see them being destroyed. Yeah, like the Rainbow Tower fun. at the Hilton. Like, yeah, sure. It was just cool. It was just no, cool. cool. I, I agree. I agree. I'm not advocating for more Godzilla. I'm just saying that th- I think the reason that this film isn't being universally embraced is because there is a lot of time spent from the human perspective and it's not that interesting and it's not that good. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. I agree. With that. Absolutely. Agreed. A couple more things here, and then we'll we'll need to talk. Get wrap it up here. But I did notice. I don't know. It is a trope in in film directing that when you are trying to convey stakes or trying to add an a, a kind of an additional element in action, is that you protect or add a young child. And one thing that annoyed the <laughs> that heck was, out of me that is that annoying. there were children everywhere Mm -hmm. and i I don't mean just children because obviously there are children everywhere but like in the scenes they would insert (laughs) all these ridiculous devices so that a child would need to be protected by someone to help up the ante and that's cool when done well if you do it like once but if you do it four times it gets ridiculous and so there was just so much of that that it it just kind of drove me crazy but i think we kind of I think we're all kind of highlighting the negative here. I know Chris probably liked it the least of all of us here, but there were so many. Which is great. a miracle. That is true. That is odd. That is, that is very odd. <laughs> no, I think I have a. I don't know what it is, but I. I don't think I'm a very big fan of creatures that are bigger than buildings. Like for some reason, that just doesn't appeal to me. I don't know like what it is. Yeah, that's what you were saying. Transformers in the car. is Pacific not. Pacific Rim. You shut up, Chris. Transformers is are they're not bigger than buildings though. They're big, but they're not oh. bigger than buildings. Okay. That's so dumb. Chris that's is not, he's not a fan. No he's not a fan if the if the cuts are any longer than 12 hang or 13 on, hang frames on. a second. I actively yeah. did not like Pacific Rim. I act I I did there were good parts of Godzilla yeah. and okay. I I I'm just I saying will in revisit. the car on the way home the rest of you guys just crapped on the movie the whole ride home. That's not yeah. true. Yep, That's not it true. is true. Yep, it I, is. I believe Melody on this. So I want to. First I, of all, it doesn't matter because we wh- what we say on the podcast is what we really <laughs> think. And what I say in the car is just to throw you off so that when you get on here, you can embarrass yourself. There you go. Well, there you go. I we think it's backfired on you. Happens. <laughs> well, right. I just want to end with a couple of positive things. I I think it. I think 
it has gorgeous visuals. It has a, a, I think I'm very interested to see what this director does next. And, and unlike what Chris said, I think it has some thrilling things, including that bridge scene, which I think was great. And it just overall is a, is an experienced film that it, it at least has more thought put into it than your traditional kind of just everything blows up, quick cut action kind of thing. So for me, I think it's still worth seeing. The Cutting Room Floor. Today on The Cutting Room Floor, we thought we would try something a little different, try a brand new game, and this is going to be called Rotten or Not. That's not actually what it's going to be called, but that's just what I thought I would call it. Uh, but the way the game works is essentially this. We're going to pull some selections from the top 20 grossing movies of all time, and everyone's going to try to guess what the Rotten Tomatoes critic score is. The person who gets closest to the actual score will receive one point. The person at the end with the most points will win the game and a $100 gift certificate to Applebee's. <laughs> yes! So we will go, we will start with Melody, and we'll go with Chris, and we'll go with Chad last, and that's the order we'll go in. And so the very hey, first... we can't go in the exactly. same order. Yeah, opposite. I like that Joker. order. The I like exact that order. Opposite. <laughs> no, heck to the no, it has no, You've got to switch that around every time. This is my game. You Don't shut up. Okay. I'll determine the rules. I'll ban you off this Okay, time. that's fine. All right, so the very first movie up is The Lion King. Disney's The Lion King, 1994. Hmm. And we will start with you, Melody. What do you think the score is, the Rotten Tomato critic score? I'm going to go for 91. 91. All right, Chris? I'm going to say 87. 87 and Chadwick. I'm going to say 96. 96. And the correct answer is 90. Is that? Oh, it's me. Dang no, it. It's <laughs> Dang it. So that's one I'll, point for Melody. Nice. Bull I'll crap. Take it. I'll take All it. right. The next movie on the list, by the way, that grossed 987 million worldwide. That's pretty amazing. 1994. The next uh, movie on the list is The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. So, Chad, how much? What's the score for The Dark Knight? Dark Knight. I'm going to say that's pretty high. I'm going to say 97%. Okay, Chris? I'm going to go with uh, 93. And Melody? 95. 95. And the answer is 94%. Dang it. Oh, it's me again. 94%. Holy crap. And it I'm grossed going to Applebee's. $1 billion worldwide. That's pretty good. All right, next up is The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. Let's start with uh, you, Chris. I'm going to go with 74. All right, Chad. An unexpectedly boring movie. I'm going <laughs> to go with 79. And Melody. Mm, 80. The correct answer is <laughs> sixty-four. Yes, oh. dang it! And that grossed a, a billion dollars. Sixty-four billion dollars. is the correct answer. Yeah, that's that's, that's about right. Exactly no, absolutely, right. totally. So the tricky part of this game is you you have to think: is it the score you think it is, or oh yeah, you know, yeah, exactly, or the score do you think the critics thought that it was? like Iron Man three? What yes, the heck. Bizarre. All right, is 2010's Alice in Wonderland starring <laughs> oh, wonderful whoa. John Depp. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna a billion dollars. Let's start with you, Chad. Yeah, that was a big hit. I'm going to say that one is um, still fresh at like 62%. Okay, uh, Melody. 
Man, I hated that movie so much. Um, I'm going to say 65. All right, and Chris. Uh, what did Chad say again? 62. 62. I'm going to go 61. Get away from my numbers. <laughs> the correct answer is 51%. Yes! Chris, get ah. away from me. Yeah. <laughs> Melody, as you were keeping score, what is our current tally? We've got you with two points. Is I have correct? two points. Chris has two points, and Chad has 2,000 points. points. I have 2,000 <laughs> points. As we would expect. 2, All right. 000. The next up is Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. And we'll start with you, Melody. Okay. 86. All right, Chris. I'm going to say 83. Chadwick. I'm going to say 72. You are all way wrong. You guys, how did you feel about that movie? <laughs> it sucked. 57%. Good. Oh, oh wow. I get a point. Yeah. All right. And the audience gave it 60%. Yeah. I, I didn't. I wouldn't give it that high. But I just figured sometimes the Star Wars just did. Away, you know I mean? no, no, I'm not giving it my what? personal rating. I'm giving Jeez. it what I think is on Rotten Tomatoes. All right. The next up is 1993's Jurassic Park, number one. Da-da-da-da. Fantastic movie. We will start with you, Chadwick. I'm going to go 88%. And Chris? I'm going to say 94. Mm. And Mm, that's a good number, Chris. I'll say 95. Oh, so close. 93. Yes! Chris got it on the nose. No, I was one away. I said 94. 94. So the next on the list is Pirates of the the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Oh, that's the newest one, right? Or no, the second to newest one? I have no idea. Ugh. Curse of the Black Pearl was first. Yeah. Like I think this is the third one. I think that's the third one. Because there's been it's four. 2011. Okay. Sounds bad. So this probably was the most recent one. Yeah, maybe. Uh, let's start with you, Chris. Ugh. 43. <laughs> Rotten. <laughs> All right, Chadwick, you're next. I'm going to say 53. And Melody. Um, 54. Get away from me. <laughs> it's going to be Chris. Strategy. It's going to be Chris. What is you it? You said 54 melodies. that what I, you said? I did. The correct answer is 33. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> that is a good answer for that one. What a turd. These critics know what they're talking about. That was with uh, 55% of the audience liked it. And that grossed a billion, right at a billion dollars. Oh, this next one will be good. Toy Story 3, the ever-loved... Toy Story mm-hmm. 3, oh. 1 billion 63,000 worldwide in 2010. Yes, love it. Can I go first? Nope. It's my uh, turn. Please. It's my turn. All right, go. Wait, no, he just said please. I get to no, go first. No, it's my turn. We're going in an order here. 98. All right, Chris. Uh, 99. Melody. So I can't like say a number that's already been said. No. Um, okay, fine. 97. And the correct answer is 99. Yes! <laughs> you, Chris, knew that's not fair. I did. <laughs> and it is my understanding that Toy Story, Story, Toy Story 2 has the only perfect 100 on Rotten Tomatoes. Toy Story uh, 3 is better. Yeah, I don't know. Ah, here's another one. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, 2006. So that would have been the second one. The second yeah. Who's going first? I don't know. I'm uh, not even trying to be Melody. Okay. I'll 
just say 53. All right, Chris. I'm going to go with 42. And Chadwick. What was uh, Melody's number? 53. 54. <laughs> the answer is 54. Boom! Oh, do I get like some kind of double bonus? Yes, I do. Come on. Chris, Chris. I got it right on. You're calling me a cheater. I love this on the Google Docs. This is amazing. Do I get, oh, like, okay. do I get a bonus? No, you do not. This is a terrible game. I just got the perfect <laughs> number. I need a bonus. No. You know, <laughs> no. You know what? Uh, we need. Although to... next time we should give bonuses for having the exact. We, right. yeah, we should. But not this time. This time. Nope. You, you know what we need happen. to do? We need to do this with Adam Sandler movies. We need to like have <laughs> <laughs> themes. Of... <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Actually, just pick out a yeah a particular person. Okay. We are now moving into the top 10 grossing movies of all time. And the f- number 10 is The Dark Knight Rises. Oh! Chadwick, we will start, or, or Chris, we'll start with you. What? Yep. I'm going to say 83. And Chadwick? It should be about a 45, but knowing the critics, it's probably like, I don't know, 87. Melody. 82. Ah! The correct answer is. 88. Bam! I got it. Dang it. Bam! Stink. The next one is actually a pretty surprising. It's number nine on the highest grossing movies of all time list. And I was really shocked to see it, but it is Skyfall. This is 2012, which is a great movie. Um, And we will start with you, Melody. What was the year again? I'm trying to remember which one. Is this the one in the desert? No. No, this is the most recent one. The good, this is the good one? Yes. No. This is one that was nominated yes. for cinematography. Okay. Um, 80. And Chris? 89. And Chad? Yeah, I'm going to say 90. Ooh. <gasps> the correct answer is 92. Dang Bam! Oh. <laughs> Don't call it a comeback. Chad is making a Don't comeback. Yeah, you are. Wow. All right, Melody, I think we need a score update. Yeah, it's not looking so good for me. I got two, Chris has five, and Chad has four. Although I should oh. have more because uh-huh. I got one exactly right. Just saying. Chris got one exactly right, too. So. No, I don't think Sorry. so. Don't yeah, think I did. So. 99. Yeah, I yeah did. but he cheated. He knew the answer. There's no cheating. <laughs> he knew All the right. Answer. He should have recused next, himself. Next on the list is one of the great, 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 great movies of all time, probably in my top five of all time. And this is Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, 2003, grossing one billion one hundred million. And we'll start with you, Chad. Wait, when do I get to go first? Yeah, Chris. Shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> he is the game master. I'm going to say 94. All right, Chris. 97. Melody? Mm, 95. <laughs> the correct answer is 94. Bam! <laughs> yes! No, wait, you and Melody got in between that. What? I said 94. Oh, you yeah. said 94. Oh, you yep, did, you did, you did. Two yep. perfect scores. I should be winning. Wow. Bam! So we're tied. All right. We're tied. No, how, many more, how many more of these do we have to go yet? This is number seven. We're about to read number seven, so there's seven more. Okay, all right. We're counting down. This next one is one of Chris's favorite movies. Yes! Uh, he, he loves these movies, and it was 2011's Transformers Dark of the Moon. Yes! Word. Mm. And we will start with you, Chris. 99. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, 
Uh, I'm going to go with 31. Okay. How do you feel in your heart, though? Be honest. 99. <laughs> All right. Melody? Oh, well, I'll take 37. And Chadwick? I think that Revenge of the Fallen would be in the 30s, but Dark of the Moon actually had moments that were not completely terrible, so I'm going to say 50. 56. Right. Chad, Chad takes pulls the lead. ahead. Oh, no. For Damn. the audience oh. score, it's actually 36 for the critics. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. So you're a liar. Seriously? 36 for the critics. Yes. Oh, a liar. Melody takes it. Melody well, good. Takes I'm just it. glad that Chad doesn't. And that movie is the seventh highest grossing movie of all time with 1,123,000,000. How is that possible after the one before it was so terrible? Mm-hmm. I do not understand. All right. This is everybody's favorite. I think we're going to have Melody sing the theme song from this next one. Number six on the list is 2013's Disney's Frozen. Mm. Let it go. I'll sing it. We will start with you, Melody. Okay. Frozen 90. Chadwick. Uh, I'm going to say 83. And Chris. Oh, man. 91. The correct answer is 89. Ah, Melody. All right. right. Let's even this up. So we are moving into the big five, the final five top highest grossing movies of all time. And once again, we're starting with Chris's, one of his favorite movies, one of his favorite franchises. And this is Iron Man 3. Yes. (laughs) And we will start with you, Chris. Uh, 68. All right, Chadwick. Uh, I think the critics liked this one, uh, and I was kind of dumbfounded, so I'm going to say 84. And Melody. This is Iron Man 3? Yeah. Three. Uh, um, 70. Correct answer is 78. Dang it. Oh. Wait, so what did you say, Chad? I said 84. So I'm six away. So well, you know, you're closer. Bam. Oh, wow. Chad takes that the lead. Just, I go back to prices, 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 right rules. Okay, Melody, it's time for score update. All right. My eyes are blurring together. Chad has six and Chris has five and I have four. One for the good team. All right. Wow. We're really, really close here, guys. Uh-huh. Because we're all awesome. All right. We are moving into number four okay, here. And this is one of my favorite movies. Um, love, love, love the series, as I'm sure we all do. And this is 2011's Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Due Ugh. with 1,341,000,000 worldwide. Wow. And we will start with you, Chad. Huh. I, I think I rather <laughs> enjoyed that movie. It's mm. a tough one. I don't have any idea what the critics would think. I'm going to say it's going to be positive. I'm going to say 81. And Chris? 87. And Melody. Man, we're going to say 83. This one is a stunner at 96%. Yes! Jeez, are you serious? Uh, All right, we're tired. Bullcrap. What's really interesting to me about this is it has an audience uh, score of 89% and 96% for the critics, which you almost (laughs) never see. Very, very unusual. Unless it's some high. It was a good movie. movie. It's just the last scene was the way the things tied up was a little disappointing. But 
you know, not All the right. last scene, the battle scene. How many more questions? I mean, how many more movies do we have? This is number three. Oh so we will Lord. have Whew. number three getting down to the end here. Whew. And once again, one of Chris's favorite movies. We're noticing a lot of Chris's favorite movies in this list. That's right. Because he can't think for himself. He goes to the crowd <laughs> goes. And this is 2012's Marvel's <laughs> The Avengers. Yes. Uh-huh. And we will start with you, Melody. The Avengers was good. Oh, critics, what did you think? I'll say... 91. And Chris? I'm going to go with 92. Mm, you trickster. I'm going to go and with 90. Ooh, you guys are all over it, but only one of you will reign supreme. And that is with a score of 92%. Yes! No! Oh, wait. no! <laughs> oh, 92? I thought I said 92. No. You, no! You said, you said 91, didn't you? No. No, Melody did. No, Melody's... Wait a minute. Who went first? Sure? <laughs> I said 92. If it's 92, I get it. I don't remember. I thought it was Melody. I think it's Chris, I think but let's Brandon's give it to Melody. Right. Yep, we're giving what? it to me. <laughs> I'm almost positive. How are you not paying attention? <laughs> You're the worst game master of all time, no. Brandon. I said I'm pretty positive it was Melody. It's Chris that's talking back. You shut up, Chris. It's Melody's point. <laughs> All right. I hope I like that when Brandon. we listen back to this that it it's was actually Chris. Chris that it. That'll be the best are we, ever. Are we tied now? Are we all tied? We're all, nope. You no. guys are still one ahead of me. Okay. All right. This is going to come as no surprise. These, the final two on the list, everyone should know which movies these are from the same director. And this is 1997's Titanic. And we will start with you, Chad. Mm, I did not like Titanic, um, but I'm sure. But it won every Academy Award. I'm going to say 97. All right, uh, Chris. Oh man, 96. And Melody. <sighs> 95. Dang it. <laughs> Melody's in a good position correct there. Score. Is eighty eight percent. Dang no! it! Take it. <laughs> We're tied. Um, it. We're all tied. We're all tied. This is this amazing. The last. Now, if we go back, <laughs> and I. <laughs> but I'll take can, it. Anyway. Can you not stop it? Nope. Hey, hey, hey. Oh. No time for that. Come on. Because you love Iron Man three so much, you deserve to lose a point. I did not like Iron Man three. You shut up. Ain't nobody got time for that. Last right. question, and we're all the last tied. question. You just don't and it's all show. tied up. The stakes could not be any higher. One hundred dollar Applebee's gift certificate, <laughs> with a worldwide gross of two billion seven hundred and eighty-two million two hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. Avatar. Oh my gosh! Oh, and we will start with you, Chris. Oh, I did not like Avatar at all. What? Um, Is that true? Yeah. You didn't um, like it? I did not enjoy the movie. Oh, my gosh. How many times have you seen it, Chad? Uh, a couple times. I only saw it once. There's, I had no reason. No, I don't want to see it again. Okay, I'm going to go with... Oh, my Lord. I have no idea whether the critics scored this. I'm going to go with 86. All right, Melody. Oh, my goodness. I'll take... 
and so, Chadwick. So we have Chris at 86 and Melody at 85. So I either have to think that it's higher Up than an 86 yeah. or lower <laughs> than an 85. Basically, that means that Melody's uh, just handed Melody has just handed it to you if you the, choose. It's either. You, well, not necessarily. It's still 50-50. Yes. Because it I know, but it's, it's 50-50. It's anybody's game. No, uh, at least she's way. handed you a 50-50 rather she than did. a... She did. She did hand me a 50-50. I am going to think that the critics probably liked it, but not as much. So I'm going to go lower and say... What did you say, Melody? 85? Yes. I'm going to say 83. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot believe this. It better not be 84. 84. It better not One be. One of you has actually hit the number. Oh my gosh, it's it better. Number. So I'll start by telling you the audience score is 82%. Okay. 82% for the audience. So. And the critics liked it with a score of 83. One, one for the good team. This is rigged. Victory. This is the best game we've ever played. <laughs> of course it is. You're welcome. This game is The wonderful. inaugural Rotten Tomatoes champion is Chad Guy. Yes. Yes. Congratulations. Chris and Melody now owe you a $100 gift certificate. <laughs> hey, Put it in the mail. Put it in the mail. <laughs> You're listening to the Screeners Podcast. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up our show for today. We have talked enough, so now it's your turn. Go look us up on Facebook where you can like our page for updates between episodes and all other sorts of fun. While you're there, let us know what you thought of the episode and stop by ScreenersPodcast.com to read our show notes or send us an email at ScreenersCast at gmail.com to tell us what you'd like to hear about in future shows. And don't forget, real fans leave iTunes reviews. And thanks so much, Brandon, for joining us this time. We are still missing Josh, but hopefully he will be back before too long. But Brandon, you were definitely an asset to this show. And thank you for bringing a very fun game to the screeners. Thanks, guys. I had a great time uh, being with you and look forward to maybe having the opportunity to do it again in the future. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to ScreenersPodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.